As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 254. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to episode 254 in Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning into this show. This is the show we focus on that topic of leadership. Why do we do it? Why have we been doing this show for three years? Well, because leadership is central to everything that we do. It is the path toward a significant life because leadership impacts every facet, every aspect of your life. Everything rises and falls with it. I saw a great quote by Jackie Robinson the other day. And the quote is, a life isn't significant except for its impact on other lives. And that's so true. You know, we're always searching for something. We're always searching to be successful. I want to be successful at this. We need to shift our thinking just a little bit, a very subtle but very powerful shift in the way that you look at life. Instead of focusing on success, let's focus on significance. What does it mean to lead a significant life? Well, the quote from Jackie Robinson kind of sums it up. A life isn't significant except for its impact on other lives. It is about adding value. That is if there is a secret sauce. I mean, that's part of it is we have to be intentional about adding value in every transaction. Think about that. We, Every interaction with another human being is an opportunity for development, for influence, for growth, and application in leadership. Because how well you understand and apply leadership in everything that you do will ultimately be the determining factor of how successful and significant your life is going to turn out. And I think we should all should be pursuing a life of significance because that's how we can influence and, and, and impact those around us. And that really is at the heart of leadership and what we talk about here on Dose of Leadership, how to add value to everyone and everything so you can start producing a life of significance. That's what it's all about. And again, we've been doing the show for three years, and if you're finding some value in Dose of Leadership, and hopefully it's one of the many resources you're tapping into out there in your leadership journey. And this is a great free resource for you. And I love doing the show. It's the favorite thing that I do. I do do it for free. So if you are finding some value in the show, I have set up with the great supporters at Patreon, a Patreon page where you can directly support Dose of Leadership. 
any financial support you could provide Dose of Leadership, I would be greatly indebted to you, highly appreciative. It would go a long way in helping make this show better and continuing its support. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening to the show. And again, it's easy to find. You can go to my homepage at doseofleadership.com and in the left-hand sidebar, support us at Patreon or even up in the menu item, you can see it up in there. Or you can go to patreon.com slash doseofleadership and find me there. It's real simple. You can support. You can get some rewards for the show too. Or you can just put a straight straight donation. And I appreciate all the supporters that have supported Patreon up to this point. And again, thank you so much for tuning into the show. All right, great guest today, David Zinger. He's an employee engagement speaker. I would say he's an employee, employee engagement expert. He's so prolific and passionate about this uh, topic of engagement. He does walk the walk, or walks the talk, rather, when it comes to the idea of employee engagement. And that's always been a huge pet peeve of mine, or at least a passion. You know, when you look at engagement surveys, when I've been in leadership roles in corporations, and we always get those annual engagement surveys and the answers are always the same you know why aren't we engaged you know there's lack of trust in leadership the communication on and on and on and you know when i doing these internal shows i've started doing internal shows for internal podcasts for organizations and i'm just starting to do that but the whole driver the reason why we do it is to get people more engaged since everything is about engagement and leadership is at the core of engagement and um Man, you're really going to like this conversation with David. He is a prolific author. He's a speaker. He's a coach. He's a consultant. He started an employee engagement network, which I just joined, which puts you in touch with over 6,000, almost 6,100 members who are just as passionate about leadership and engagement. And uh, man, he is his website is just chock full of free resources. He's got the uh, he's been known for the popular 10 block pyramid of employee engagement, which helps people focus on kind of the practical and tactical engagement methods. And um, he believes that uh, small is really the new significant of that ways. In, in other words, that small, simple, um, strong, and sustainable actions within the context of good work is what makes all the difference in engagement. It benefits everybody. And he'll talk about this in this, in this conversation. And you're absolutely just going to love and be engaged if you're interested in how to make your organization and the people around you more engaged. And so without further ado, here's David Zinger, the employee engagement expert. Well, David, so excited to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. You know, this is one of my favorite topics. When I came across employee engagement, I mean, this is really one of my pet peeves. So I got to ask you, how did you get so passionate about this topic of engagement? Well, in some ways, there's strands of the back to my work in educational psychology and counseling psychology 30 years ago. I read the very first article by William Kahn 26 years ago when it first came out and, and really liked his concept of personal engagement. I was the employee assistance counselor for Seagram Diageo for 15 years. And if you look back on the years, because I was actually embedded in the workplace, I, w- I would have called myself an employee engagement uh, counselor in some ways. So uh, it's been a part of what I do, even though I haven't used that title uh, for most of my life and certainly very focused for the last 10, 12 years. You know, it's amazing. I read a um, – just the other day I downloaded a, an article from Gallup or they had a – Okay. And they were talking about 
how few people are actually engaged. They, I don't know. They did a study since 2000 and, and I can't remember the exact terminology, but basically they were saying they only have really at any time, any organization, approximately 26 to 30% of the, the workforce is actively engaged. Does that jive with what you've learned throughout the years? Yes and no. Uh, you know, I'm always concerned, not necessarily with Gallup, but I'm always concerned about a, a self-serving bias within surveys. That mm, uh, Yeah, good it, point. It, it makes sense for them to have disengagement challenges. You know, I'll go speak in front of 500 people and I'll ask uh, everyone who's disengaged to raise their hand. So that means we should have about 350 people raise their hands. And I'm lucky to get three or four wow. now. Now, what you'd say is, well, David, that's in public. Who's going to do that? Well, if people can't raise their hands because they're disengaged, because it shouldn't be a punishable offense, uh, then, you know, perhaps the numbers are a little skewed from what we're doing. So, you know, there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of mystery, uh, the way the consultancies measure it. And, and they're not that transparent with, with what they do. It's proprietary and uh so, so I suggest anybody listening always treat those numbers with a, a heavy dose of a grain of salt. I like that. I like that. You're absolutely right because sometimes you never know where it's coming from. And you hear those terms, it's, it's almost like a budge term in the corporate lexicon, engagement. What does it mean to you to be engaged? I mean, when you hear the word a fully engaged employee, what does that mean to you? Eight words. So, you know, <laughs> I've spent probably 17,000 hours on this topic and, and a lot of thinking about how do I make this as simple as possible and reduce a lot of the jargon. So my definition is good work done well with others every day. Oh, and to that. me, that's engagement. Yeah. Okay. So what are the barriers to it? I mean, I've worked in a lot of places and I tell you, and I seen the survey, we used, you know, the Hay survey and everything else. And every year it came back time and time again. And for me, it seems like if you really want to get an engaged workforce, it starts from the top with the top communicating where the ship is heading and why we're heading where we're going. Is that, to me, that is one of the key drivers. I, perhaps, uh, you know, I think part of the problem is we survey over survey and under deliver, mm. uh, you know, when surveys are anonymous, uh, and I understand why, uh, then we've made disengagement a punishable offense as opposed to a trigger to a conversation. Never ask a question in an organization on an engagement survey unless you're fully prepared to respond to it. And so if, if you're asked 200 questions, it, the organization simply doesn't have the capacity to respond to those 200 issues. So uh, I use a term called iatrogenic disengagement. From medicine, when you go into a hospital with a broken leg, you have a, about a 30% possibility of coming up with an infection or something created through the cure. And, and I think many times as we approach uh, engagement, we're, we may be inadvertently uh, creating disengagement. So I'm not suggesting there aren't many people who are disengaged or disconnected, but in some organizations, it's a bigger safety issue than an engagement issue. It just doesn't seem to be safe to say, I'm struggling. I won't go too long, but one other quick point. There are many, many people these days who are self-employed, and, and I think what many people don't realize is that many people who are self-employed are disengaged. They have a hard time getting the work done or doing certain types of work and, and all those issues. So it's not simply just an organizational factor. There's a heavy, heavy 
uh, amount of personal responsibility for engagement. It's portable. You can take it with you. And if you leave it in the hands of the leadership or the organization or your manager, you, you become a victim. Oh, I love that. I love That's the first time, Dave, I've ever heard that. And it's so true. That really resonated with me that you said that. It's so true, particularly from an, a self-employed person. It, it, and it puts the engagement I don't know. I'm just when you said that, I just realized for the longest time I've probably been putting too much of the onus on the leadership and the management. When it really is what I'm hearing you say, more of a personal, or at least a large share of it is a personal responsibility. And and mutual accountabilities. I mean, there's no doubt if you and I work together, I'd probably have an influence on your engagement. But you're responsible for it, right? But you know, I can I can probably help set up a pretty bad day for you, or you could do the same for me, and vice versa. We could probably help set up a pretty good day uh, for each other. So uh, there are mutual accountabilities. It's not just the manager. It's not just the employee. It's not just the leadership. We're in this together, or or we sink apart. So how can we, I love that, the personal responsibility piece. If we accept that personal responsibility for the engagement, and of course, it gives us the power and the choice and the will to engage. Okay, so what do we do next? I'm willing to do that. I'm certainly, I'm in the middle of the organization. I'm not in the leadership. I'm I'm ready, willing, and able to do my part. What can I do to get uh, others around me engaged? I, I love the term ready, uh, willing, and able. So uh, there's motivation, there's ability, and there's a, there's a readiness factor with that. So, so is, is the work we're doing good? Uh, does it have a sense of meaning? Does it have a sense of contribution? Does it have a sense of purpose? Do we have dialogue or conversation about that? Done well, is, is there a level that we're, we're doing the best we can? I, I don't like great workplaces. I don't think they're sustainable. I think good work done well with others every day is is a very, very attainable uh, effort and job. And, and I believe that work should make us well, that we don't engage simply for the benefit of the organization or for the customer or for our division. We engage because it should contribute to our personal well-being. It should uh, offer us positive emotions, uh, engagement, relationship, meaning, accomplishment, uh, strengths, strengths, uh, usage. Uh, and those factors, at the end of the day, we, 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 we feel an energy gain rather than an energy drain. And, and, and work, work is, is giving us more capacity, not sucking us dry. It's almost like we got to change, have a paradigm shift in how we look at ourselves fitting within the organization or at least the relationship with the, the place that we work, right? I mean, it's almost a, oh, just a mindset shift. Fantastic. I, I've written a fair bit. I call it two, four, and with. Uh, in, in, in the early days, I, I think engagement was done to employees. Mm-hmm. Then, then it was done for employees, and, and now it's, it, the successful engagement is done with employees to the point where I talk to many people, and, and I say, what do you do? And they say, well, I work for IBM, and I'll correct them. and say, no, you don't. And they say, well, what do you mean? Here, I'll show you. Here's my paycheck. And I said, no, you work with IBM. You may be an entity of one, and they may be a very large entity. But if you think you work for them, uh, that's probably the wrong notion for a relationship that's sustainable. If you think you work with them, uh, and then something goes awry, you probably will have more of a sense of uh, empowerment, enablement, or ennoblement, or whatever term you want to use, 
to to engage with trying to make that difference. And, and if you can't make the difference, uh, determining what action steps occur from there. So I I really think we do need to get with it in engagement, and, and I mean that in, in all the senses of what that word implies. I love those subtle but very powerful differences that you that when people highlight things, and that is just a perfect one. You're so right, and it's like I work for, and I never really thought about it in that term, but it, it, it's almost like I'm a slave, and then that's what that's what denotes it when you think you work for. But if I work with, I'm a key stakeholder with the organization now. I'm not just an employee; I'm a stakeholder. You know, every conversation I have or interview, I always look for learning something. You just taught me something inadvertently. When I talk about people being uh, disengaged or self-employed, and, and you ask them what do they do, they say, well, I work for myself. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if we can work with ourselves because <laughs> right. I, I could end up in a psych ward if you go too far right, with right, that. Right, right. But, but perhaps that's even part of the problem in, in being self-employed is you sense that you're working for yourself when maybe it's a different kind of relationship. Subtle, but, but, but I'll have to mull that one over. I love that. I don't know. I've had a couple, two aha moments here within 12 minutes of a conversation. This is, this is good, David. This is a, you're a fantastic guest. Oh, thank you very much. You're a fantastic host. Oh, man. But it's so true. I mean, I think, God, I, I'm just thinking about my own leadership experience and times and how I spent so much energy and focus. And I still do. I mean, I, I'm always talking about engagement and it's, I think I was, and still am in a lot of ways in the mindset of do something I do for the employees as a leader in the organization. And I, and I mean, I think back now when I've been in situations where I was expecting, you know, life would be better if they would just do this for me, you know, and, and that certainly wasn't a with mentality that I was thinking. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So what, uh, from a leadership perspective, then if we, if we, have employees and we're kind of promoting the, and I have a team that's kind of in that with mentality. What can I do as a leader? Anything different than, than some of the old paradigm shifts that we, or some of the old paradigms that we're thinking about, you know, is there something different as a leader that I could do to get people engaged? Well, I think we're moving in similar directions at once. Uh, to me, uh, the, the last part of my eight word definition is every day. I really uh, have, focused a lot on on behavioral actions. Engagement talks about behavior. It's not how do I feel about working in my organization or what's my attitude about my boss or my organization or my employees or whatever. Uh, I really think it's certain behaviors that we repeat daily uh, that make a difference. Uh, we want to achieve results. We want to uh, build relationships and we want to install well-being. And so I really like to look at what are the actions that we as employees or as managers or as supervisors or as leaders uh, can take on a daily basis that's going to make a difference? So, so that we're actually really engaging in uh, an action or behavior. We're not talking about a program. We're not talking about something abstract. We're saying, well, I'm going to start my day by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and it's almost like if you look at some of um... – Oh, people that we would emulate as leaders or people we 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 admire a lot of them that I look up to and what I got out of your answer there is a lot of them were experts at doing the ordinary things better than anybody else the non sexy things the ordinary things 
doing it well every single day, habitually, intentionally, day after day after day. Um, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. You know, it's, it's holding a conversation about variance. So when an employee is doing well, it's recognition. When an employee is doing poorly, it's looking at a performance conversation with a sense of curiosity, a sense of engagement about what's going on. It's, it's taking people and helping them identify their strengths well beyond just a list of your five top strengths and using them daily, but, but looking at strengths and are you able to, to do that on a daily basis? I, I think the secret sauce, uh, Teresa Amabile and her, her husband, Stephen Kramer, really said that a lot of engagement or motivation comes from progress and from setbacks. Setbacks disengage, progress engages. I really like to look at engagement as something infused into work, not as something extra. So if you teach a manager how to uh, step up to progress and setbacks for themselves and for their staff, you're actually also teaching them about engagement. In fact, what we're seeing across the board, or at least what I'm seeing, is that most of the large consultancies are now pairing engagement with something. And you mentioned Gallup. Gallup would suggest their, their engagement program is now about performance management. And so they're using engagement to address performance management and they're using performance management to address engagement. And, and the more of that we can do around energy, relationships, employee well-being, the better off we'll be. Isn't it all about, and especially from a leadership perspective, um, really – almost all of our efforts should be steered towards bringing the best out of them somehow, or, you know, um, it's almost like, um, looking at your uh, stakeholders as, as a, as a palette that can be shaped and formed. Is that, too, is that too vain to, or is that too arrogant of me to look at it that way? Uh, well, I, I wrote a book called people artists. So the word palette really does appeal to me. Uh, the the challenges we're we're working with a living, emotional, breathing medium, and and it's you just can't put those brush strokes on paper, and it's going to stay there, and it's going to be the way you like that. That paint is going to run, and uh, so so I, I like the idea of a palette, but it's a it's a bit of a complex palette. I would contend that um, I found what worked, and I think in the beginning, early in my leadership uh, career that I was, you know, wasn't very successful when I was so outwardly focused on trying, I guess I was trying to fix somebody. And I think that I wouldn't say that at the time, but if I look at it now, I was trying to fix people to fit a certain mold or see things my way, because if they did, things would be better. And now I've really focused almost on, from a leadership development perspective to focusing all my, almost, almost 85 to 90% of my development on myself and I find that if the more that I focus on myself from a development perspective, the more I shine the light on my leadership um, growth, then it shines a light on those around me and it gives them the freedom to do the same. So it's almost like I'm just working on myself and it allows other people to do the same. Is, how does that resonate with you? Yeah, I think that's pretty well said. You know, uh, we're responsible to people. We're not responsible for them. I, I learned yeah. that as a counseling psychologist for 25 years. I'm responsible to do the best job I can in leading people, but I'm not responsible for their decisions, yet there should be consequences. One of my, I've got a lot of different little pithy sayings, if you will, but, but one of them is there is no way to engagement. Engagement is the way. 
Uh, the word engagement is a noun, it's false. Uh, it's really the word engage, which is a verb. And so it's, it's those actions uh, that we take. I mean, the classic actions speak louder than words. It's, it's, it's what we do um, that, that people will really trust in the long run. We can say all kinds of things, but if, if the actions aren't there, uh, it, it actually makes things worse. How do we, when we're thrust into a new situation, we got to build that trust. I mean, one of the most stressful times in a, a young leader's career, anybody's career, and they're faced with that new group of people and they're looking at it with skepticism. And what can we do? I mean, how do we build that trust? I mean, to me, I think that is that the key is, is just to build a trusting relationship. What are some actionable things we can do to get us on the right path from the early get go? I, I don't think I've ever said it this way, but but for five years I used to work with juvenile boys in a residential treatment center, the toughest kids in care in, right. in our whole province, and uh, they had their trust violated many times in growing up, and and I always said to them, "Don't trust me," and and I think leaders maybe I mean we, there's such a focus on trust. Maybe what we need to say is a little paradoxical: is we need to go to that staff group and say, "Don't trust me, test me." I, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to earn your trust, but, but test me and see if it's there. Because why should I ask for your trust? It's not something that I, I can ask and request. It's something that, that's earned through uh, how I engage with you and what you do. And I, I think, you know, I, many times uh, promoting a healthy, healthy degree of skepticism for our employees is, is a really good thing, you know. There's a great deal of difference between a cynic and a skeptic. I, I, I can't change a cynic at all, uh, but I can invite a skeptic to change. And, and I often think it, the way you tell the difference is that a cynic can't be skeptical about their cynicism. <laughs> right. Yeah. So true. And so if, if you got the very actively disengaged um, and they won't be skeptical about that at all, uh, there may be very tough actions that need to be taken on behalf of the leader or the organization to address it, to to prevent a staff infection. Yeah. That healthy skepticism is such a powerful – that's a positive. I think you're absolutely right. It's almost like walking into a room. You can gain so much traction if you said, look, you know, it's not your right to challenge me. It's your obligation. You're obligated to challenge me. In fact, I welcome it. And that – those – that healthy kind of respectful skepticism is probably going to rapidly build trust through just the, the national or the natural, um, you know, interactions that are going to come forth from that. Yeah. I yeah, we, we can hope at least. Well, yeah, we can hope. Absolutely. Yeah. I get a lot of that from, you know, it's the same type of kind of psychology you get when you, as a pilot, as you can imagine when you're in this, um, small environment and space. And, and a lot of times the airlines, you fly with someone you never flown with before. And those were the best kind of interactions to kind of keep that crew concept or that crew communication going is if you had that healthy skepticism of everybody else, regardless of your position, regardless of somebody's attitude or demeanor or knowledge base or perceptions, you always go, you know, it's, it's, I will always challenge you regardless with respect, you know, they has got to throw that in there too. Yeah, and to use the aviation example, uh, you know, if you go from an incipient spin into a full spin, the only way out of a spin is into the spin. Right. And the only way out of disengagement in your organization is actually to go into it. 
I've seen so many organizations that do surveys and then don't publish the data with their own staff. The very people who made the responses don't get their data back. No. And and I've seen I've seen surveys where people have said very disparaging things about their organization. And I think that should put be put right out there front and center and 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 responded to, not with a sense of punishment, but boy, I mean, if this is what you're experiencing in the organization, then let's talk. Let's see what needs to change, or or maybe this organization isn't for you but let's let's get into this let's not avoid it and and i've seen the consultancy spin engagement stuff i've seen uh disengaging comments sanitize and i'm thinking maybe it's not an engagement issue maybe it's a safety issue a courage issue an honesty issue um some of those factors that that is enlightening too because you're absolutely right i've, I've seen that too in organizations that i've worked with and helped where they tried to put that positive spin when the, the real power is in that authenticity and transparency that you're talking about. I mean, there's great power in that. Um, why do we struggle with authenticity and transparency, do you think? Well, you know, we, it goes back to Khan and, and, and his first article on engagement called Personal Engagement. Uh, when you really engage, you, you bring who you are to what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, there may be very little separation uh, at times like that. It, and it's a risky thing. People aren't always going to like what you do or they're not necessarily going to like you. Um, there's a vulnerability in things. And, and it, you know, I think sometimes on, on the behalf of employees, they, they don't recognize the vulnerabilities of, of leadership. And, and that, you know, as some people have said, every leader is flawed. We all, we all have our flaws and things like that. And so, it, God, it's hard to be human at times. I know. And, and I, I think... I think that's part of it and, uh, you know, part of competency and part of, you know, if, if I admit to this, what, what will be the consequences, the results of that. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough pathway. Isn't that really the foundations to, to make everybody feel safe so they can be vulnerable in the first place? I mean, if you don't have that, you really can't start from anywhere, can you? Well, I think some of the some of the pathway to safety, and I, I used to teach uh, things for Vital Smarts on crucial conversations, and they talked a lot about safety. And I, I really like their idea that, that safety comes a lot from that you know I care about you, and you know that I care about what you're interested in, and that's really authentic. And and that even means I care about what you're interested in, even if I don't agree with it. And and so sometimes we we. We make that word caring sound kind of soft and mushy yeah, and right. kumbaya-like. And I like the other spin on caring is that sometimes out of uh, variances of performance, we have to care front someone. Uh, we have to put that in front of them and say, this was the expectation. This is what you delivered. That That isn't sufficient. And we need to find a way to address the gap or, or take additional steps. Where, where do we go from here? So um, I think... I think a lot of uh, a lot of engagement does come from caring, but I think we often have a very mistaken notion that caring uh, is some sort of soft thing. Caring requires discipline, it requires concentration, and it, it requires patience. And, and those are those are three tough virtues to make come alive. Oh man, that's why leadership. All this is so hard. I mean, it's so easy to understand, but that you hit on the head. That's why it's so stinking difficult all the time, right? It takes so much work. To, to, to constantly, I guess, fight those natural human tendencies of, I don't know, I guess it's fear and failure and all those other things or embarrassment. I don't know. It's just when you said that, it just 
made me feel how heavy all this leadership journey really is. Yeah, in some ways, it's, it boils down to, to very few small behaviors acted on every day. But but if truth be known, there's a lot behind those behaviors. So 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 that may be the surface, but there's something deep, and and the core and the the, uh, the surface are the same thing. Words just kind of making them sound different to express appearances. That's actually a direct quote from the, the I Ching and stuff like that. But it, I think it is very alive in, in leadership. Okay, your body of work is so widespread. I mean, I was so excited when I came across uh, your body of work, and you've got the Employee Engagement Network that almost has 7,000 uh, members on it, uh, books. What What are you excited about working on right now? Well, you know, I we just uh, – my uh, one of my partners, Peter W. Hart, and I wrote a book called uh, People Artists, Drawing Out the Best in Others and Using the Metaphor of, of the Artist. In some ways in this conversation even today, it's very hard to be an artist, and I, I realize it's also very hard to engage and to be a leader. So we're drawing some of those parallels and, and really trying to encourage people to take uh, art off museum walls, not the physical picture, but the sense of being an artist and, and bringing that to work and drawing out the best in others. The, the other thing that quite interests me is is looking at uh, micro-learning uh, online around engagement and identifying very small elements of behavior that can make uh, a big difference. And then the third stream is, is very much kind of a global perspective on engagement, uh, doing work in Turkey and Oman and looking to go back to to Saudi and to some other places there. And I really like going around the world and seeing the commonalities and the differences. I tell you, just you are the quintessential expert on this this whole topic. I'm, I just love exploring your website. I love being a part. I joined the Employee Engagement Network last week. I'm excited to be a part of that and engaging with all the folks that are in there. Just so much uh, that you're doing for this, and thank you for all of that. I just can't, I can't tell you how excited I was to finally uh, to get in touch with you. Yeah, if if I wasn't working, I'd still be doing this. So uh, <laughs> I, I do fully engage in all this, and sometimes I struggle with my my work and and disengagement, even though I'm I'm self directed with that. And uh, it, it's nice to to connect and make a contribution. I, I love the learning, and I know the term is jargon. Uh, I, I do hope the term employee engagement dies um, because it gets integrated yeah. into work rather than a a fad, but. Uh, I, I do like that word engage. It has a strength and a robustness. I, in North America, we don't do a lot around rugby, and rugby's even changed, but there used to be a, a phrase used in rugby about engage, and I just like that word because when you said that word, the, the two scrums came together and you had something going on. Right. You're in the, you're in the arena. When it, that's, a, that's what I think about when I think of that word engagement. You're in the arena. You're not a bystander anymore. Yeah. Well said, Richard. Yeah. What uh, I'm curious who your heroes are. If you could, you know, whose shoulders are you standing on right now? I I certainly stand on the shoulders of Henry Mintzberg. He's from Montreal, a Canadian. Uh, did fantastic work in management. I think it's required reading uh, for anyone within management. He makes very little distinction between uh, management and leadership. I, I think he. He really is able to um, fuse a lot of things together and, and study directly what is it exactly that managers do and, and what's going on and, and what happens with that. And 
you know, I, I could go probably for a couple hours talking about uh, the various people. Teresa Amabile and her husband Stephen Kramer and their work on on progress is just uh, quite phenomenal. Uh, I, I quite like, you know, it's interesting, my background's in, in psychology, so there's always been a pop psychology, and, and it's really interesting now. There's pop neurobiology. Uh, too many people use the brain as a metaphor, and the brain is so much more complex than anybody ever explains it in a leadership mm. or a management book. Right. But we just kind of ooh and ah because it's the, the fad of the day. But but David Rock, who, who did uh, Your Brain at Work, took the metaphors and did one of the nicest jobs I've seen about looking at uh, being more attuned to how you think. Uh, I, I just think it's a little bit appalling that we talk about the brain as if it's got these functions and these simplicities when it's... Uh, so complex. Yeah. Oh, so well said. How can people find you, get in touch with you? Again, I've just been enjoying myself diving into uh, the plethora of information that you have at uh, both your websites, but how can people get in touch with you? Easiest way is probably put David Zinger into Google and I'll show up on Twitter and on Google Plus and the, the network will be there. And, and my own site, uh, davidzinger.com is certainly a uh, a link to, uh, I think there's about 2,500 blog posts there. There's the Employee Engagement Network. So I, I have a lot of different presences and, and connections with, with people around the world in engagement. So there's lots of places to begin, but, but the simplest is probably davidzinger.com. Well, I'll have links to all this uh, on the post. And David, I'd love to have you come back. There's so many things. I've been jotting some things down. I'd love to, to deep dive with you on this show. I know some of our listeners would get some great value out if we found a topic and, and deep dove on one of those. I'm so happy to have met you and, and um, have you part of the Dosa Leadership Network. And you always have a welcome home here. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I would, I would welcome it. I'd love to come back. I'd like, I'd like some point in time to talk about uh, engagement is leadership and management, and and because uh, I, I don't think a lot of managers and leaders really kind of understand that, that the way engagement is morphing, it's it's not something that they need to learn as an extra. It, it's going to be how they work, and and so I, I would love to spend some time blurring the uh, distinction between those concepts. I love that great teaser, and let's do that sooner than later, if you don't mind. Uh, we'll definitely do that, David, and uh, we'll, we'll explore that topic. Thanks for coming on the show. Wonderful talking with you, Richard. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. I'm Andrea, founder of a boutique handbag brand, Andy, and this is why I switched to Shopify. I tried three other platforms prior to Shopify, and I remember my breaking point was when I would try to make one little change and my entire site would go down. Shopify made it really easy for me to shift everything over and hit the ground running. I was able to migrate my products and all of my customer information over. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Go to shopify.com slash listen to take your business to the next level today. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 